Yo, yo, welcome to Elden Nerds Podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy, is joined, as always, by my good friend, the dude. What's up, buddy? He didn't go on and on with Duderino Supreme <laughs> or Crunch Rap Dude or whatever. Got more important things here to talk about today. We're also joined by friend of the show, Professor Don. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, welcome back, man. <laughs> thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us again. Uh, our statistics are good when you're around, so <laughs> I, I guess your friends and family yeah, caused the bump. <laughs> the people have spoken. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is the Album Nerds Podcast. We're album lovers. We like to talk about records together, and we share that with you. So, Andy, what's... What's on the docket today, this this beautiful fall? Yeah, we're talking about two gothic rock records. One new release from a band with a new name. They've renamed themselves now. Yes. They're called Unto Others. They were called uh, Idle Hands before. Is that right, dude? Correct. All right. Now it's talking about a really dark gothy record from the 80s, from The Cure. That's part of why Don is here, because he's a big... Cure head. Do they call them cure heads? Is that a thing? I don't think so. Curators. That makes sense. But... <laughs> <laughs> right, just, uh, talking... Crybabies. Just depressed. That's, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always think about the kids on uh, the goth kids on South Park talking about <laughs> the conformists. <laughs> All right. So yeah, we're talking about their 1982 record, pornography. Good one. Yeah, awesome one. So if you've heard these records before, we'd love to know your opinion. You can shoot us an email, podcast.elmers.com. Leave us a voicemail, 585-210-2454. If you know some other good goth records we could include on a future episode. For our first autumnal, creepy, gothy album, we're going to go with Unto Others. Andy, I kind of hate you a little bit because... They changed their name from Idle Hands for some kind of legal reasons. They signed with uh, Roadrunner Records and changed their name. But the way that the wording looks, when you run them together, it looks like Untoothers, which Andy so kindly pointed out to me. And I don't like it. And it reminds me of another heartbreaker. The Onidas. That's the wonders. And that's been stuck in my head ever since. Yeah, it's funny. So, <laughs> it's funny. Once you see those things once, you just can't I know. unsee you, it. You <laughs> broke the glass. <laughs> so we're going to go with Unto Others, and I'm sorry, Unto Others, if this is going to cause you trouble. Uh, we're going to start with the song Downtown from the album Strength that came out in September of 2021. So on to others with Downtown from Strength. This is their, I think it's technically like their third release, but it's their second full-length album. And we did talk about Idle Hands a few years ago uh, when they were called that, and the album was Mana, which I really, really liked. Like kind of if Iron Maiden went goth a little bit, you know, stylistically. Mm -hmm. Still had that sort of um, Smithsy sort of vocal tonation, though. 
But I really like that one. And I like this one too, but it's a little less metal and a little more goth. Yeah. You guys jump in. Tell me what you thought. Just overall, I was pretty positive on this, actually. I really ended up liking it. It's pretty catchy. Yes, it is. It's got a big sound. They really go for it with the vocals there. They do. Uh, I think it works for the most part. There's moments that make me a little cringy on here, some of their production choices. But uh, overall, I'm super positive on it, and I've been listening to it a lot just for fun. So It's a good sounding record uh, for sure. Actually, uh, vocally, uh, at least the, the track that you just played, for some reason, it, it kind of reminded me of Bad Religion a little bit, the, the vocal mm. delivery. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem I have with... I guess a lot of stuff, you know, because people know my musical tastes and they're always trying to like turn me on to newer things that, mm-hmm. that they think I'll like. That's what we do here. But like, I, I guess I always, I end up liking it, but I'm not, I don't know what the word, right. I'm not turned on by it or something, or maybe it's, I get it. Maybe it's just that, it, like, I don't feel like ground is being broken or something. You know, it's just a celebration mm-hmm. of the past, and mm. um, or it's all just a fusion of of different things. But uh, overall, I mean, it's definitely something I I would I would listen to. Um, yeah, I, I I get that. That's that is a challenge, and and it does take a special band to break through. So I get it. Andy, any any particular songs on here that you liked, didn't like? Uh, stuff that bothered you, like perhaps uh, bird sound effects in some songs. <laughs> wow. right, we'll just get that out of the way, I guess, because it's very <laughs> distracting. There's one song, Destiny, which I really I like the song in general. It's in the middle of the record. Yeah, there's an eagle sample or a hawk or something that's screeching yeah. maybe three or four times throughout the record. <laughs> Not the song. It sounds it makes me laugh every time I hear it. Yeah. Some of what I read about the record that uh, reviews anyway were complaints about the production that was overproduced at points yes. and adding sound effects and things. I at first I was like, What are they doing? But I guess as a nod to the genre and the theatricality that can come with it, mm. I decided to accept it as an Edgar Allan Poe-ish, you know, like call to theater and dr- the drama of gothic music where it is very dramatic. And so, you know, it, it, could I would I be cool if it wasn't there? Sure. But it doesn't bother me too much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's not a big deal. It's well, the worst part is the next song is called "Little Bird." There's no bird sound. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. <laughs> huh. But yeah, I think there were some really good solid tracks on here. Like the opening is more a little bit more in the metal vein, a little bit faster, yeah. a little more of a quicker drum section there. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed that one. And then a couple of cuts towards the end, I thought were pretty great. Summer lightning is really catchy. Um, there's that cover on here. Oh, yeah. No Children Laughing Now, right? Hell is for Children. Oh, right. The other children's song. Yes. Um, which I thought was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I went back and listened to the original from uh, Pat Benatar, I believe. Yep. Is that right? I, I ended up listening to that whole 1980 album a few times when I went to listen to her original. Yeah. it's a It really stands out on that record because <laughs> mm-hmm. there's like... A lot of catchy, you know, Pat Bantar songs before and after it. And then you have this song, which is like super dark. <laughs> yeah, I, that was groundbreaking at the time to do a song about 
child abuse yeah. on a pop rock record. So, uh, but they're, they're heard that song is great and that cover is great. Did you catch that or notice that at all, Don? Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate the, uh, it, it's actually, it's kind of a goth tradition to, to throw in a, a cover, you know, to do a goth version of, of something. Cause I'm reminded of, uh, um, typo negative, you know, which I, I hear in this record, but typo did, uh, Summer Breeze. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I know yeah. like the, the Sisters of Mercy did uh, ABBA, Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. So it is kind of like a, it seems like it's a, a goth thing to to gothize, you know, some pop record. <laughs> um, so I mm-hmm. like that. And maybe that, I don't know if that's an intentional nod to, you know, to history or not. It seems like it would be. I mean, just knowing that they're, you know, fans of the genre. Yeah. Yeah. Don, where would you say that these fellas are from if you were to? Oh, Hazard a guess. I mean, I, I guess I, I would tend to think, um, you know, the the UK probably because you're asking me that they're they're from uh, <laughs> they're from Churchville Hawaii or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Portland, they kind of had like grunge scene part two, right? Then things kind of mm-hmm. moved from from Seattle to to Portland, and then uh, you know some of that grunge, you know, had sort of that darker, yeah, punk, so, uh, you know. Kind of gothy sound, I guess. I mean, Alice in Chains mm-hmm. had elements of goth, I would say. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I figured that. I mean, I thought I would assume that they were a British group too, just because that's where so much of that originally came from. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All in all, I think it's it's great. The 80s influences are a little stronger. I was never much into that kind of stuff, but something about it was very enjoyable. And I, and I technically liked their last album, Mana better because it's heavier and more metally but i find myself kind of secretly liking this more and i'm not <laughs> sure why so your secret love affair with- is that why you're wearing <laughs> is that why you're wearing the eyeliner and lipstick today <laughs> yes <laughs> yes it is yeah i would look good that way Oh yeah, nothing better than a bald dude with uh, eyeliner, eyeliner and lipstick. That doesn't that doesn't scream uh, serial killer or anything. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, well, you know, I think it's a pretty strong, a pretty strong offering from them, and I think I would put it ahead of their earlier work personally. Um, I'll probably come back to it maybe maybe a year end list candidate for me, to be honest. No. So. Oh, nice. Nice. Don, I recommend that, I mean, maybe you won't be able to fall in love with this band, but if you have the young people, the students, et cetera, mm. you know, looking for things that aren't 30 years old, but sound like they are, then yeah. uh, this, would be a, <laughs> this would be a good. I do that all the time with our, you know, we have a college station here, so I, uh, I, I put on what I want. <laughs> so. There you go. Nice. All right. So that was our first gothic offering of... Uh, Unto others, strength, go check it out. Excuse me, I'd like to ask you a few questions. All right, it's question asking time, apparently. Remember, we answer the questions and you go answer the questions at Album Nerds on Twitter. Has there ever been a song that gives you the creeps or scares you, even when you're like a little kid? What is it and why did it scare you? Andy? Yeah, you know, I, I could not think of anything from my childhood that really scared me in a song. Lots of movies scared me. So, two things, two things. Um, one, I know we talked about on the show a few years ago, 
um, there's a record from the band Sano, mm-hmm. who is like this doom metal group, kind of gothic, actually. They wear black hoods and robes and stuff. They have a song called, uh, It Took the Night to Believe on the record Black One, which is just has these like blood curdling screams and atmospheric just chaos going on that whenever I hear, especially with hand headphones, legit shakes me to my core. Well, there you go. Uh, so yeah, it's that. Um, but I'm also reminded, uh, we were just talking about typo negative a minute ago, listening back to their classic ratchet, uh, bloody kisses, man. There's some scary moments on that too. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that might qualify that, uh, kind of, uh, shook me up a little bit too. So mention those two. How about you, Don? Well, this w- this wasn't planned because I didn't know which uh, Cure record you were going to be uh, talking about today. But the title track from Pornography, it's the last track on the mm-hmm. album. Um, it's just there's just lots of kind of like doomsday sounds in it, and uh, a lot of like like backwards talk and you know weird languages, almost like speaking in tongues or whatever in mm-hmm. the background. And um, that one always freaked me out a, a little bit. I mean, considering I, like I've listened to a, a lot of goth, it doesn't really scare me. You know, like I get that it's supposed <laughs> to be scary and I like yeah. the creepiness of it, but it doesn't actually frighten me. Um, just that jaded at yeah, this point, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, just conformists get creeped out by it. <laughs> there was a, a, there's a Cure song on Three Imaginary Boys called Subway Song. And when I, I used to babysit my nephews, I used to play that song for them to, to scare them. What <laughs> <laughs> a good babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> but they love it. But I still, uh, whenever they come over, I'll, I'll play that song and see if I can bring back uh, past trauma. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> mine is so lame. <laughs> so mine is the song Wipeout by the Surfaris. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta explain this one, man. It's not scary. Yeah. So when I was a kid, my parents had the forty-five of it, and my dad would play it once in a while, and it would freak me the hell out. And uh, he'd call me in the room and put it on just so I'd run out of the room screaming. Wipeout. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It was just that. There's just no that. more. That's the, at the beginning, and he'd play it, and I'd run off scared every time. I think it was because of like the Wicked Witch on <laughs> yeah. Wizard of Oz, because they would play that every year on TV back then when people didn't have VCRs and junk. I hear it yeah. now. Wow, that is kind of freaky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's that have to do with surfing? <laughs> no idea. It's funny when but you yeah. when you said that because my first association with that song I think was in the eighties. The Beach Boys did that song oh, with, with the, the with the Fat Boys. With the fat Boys, <laughs> yes. Let's wipe out, <laughs> wiping out, wiped yes. out, wiping out. <laughs> one on one. Yeah, I had that boys, stuck in my oh head my too. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember the Fat Boys also did uh, the Twist with yes. Chubby Checker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Old <Fat> school. <laughs> Yeah, they oh, had a little the run there for a while. Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. Anyway, yeah. So it was a stupid surf song. It was just the witchy sound, but that used to just scare the crap out of me. I mean, in terms of albums, Kiss Records scared me. The covers did, but I liked it. It was the good kind of scared. Like, it's cool scared, not like runoff crying scared. So anyway, right, right. why don't you folks, hopefully you have cooler ones than the Surfaris out there let us know what what song creeps you or scares you uh even as a little kid 
let us know at Album Nerds on Twitter. Oh, dogs. All right, for our old dogs gothic pick, we are indeed talking about The Cure's pornography. This came out back in May of 1982 as their fourth studio album. It's recorded with a new producer. Uh, is notable in that it was recorded in a time in the band's history in which there was a lot of infighting going on, a lot of heavy drug use. Uh, and a lot of bad haircuts. <laughs> yeah, I think they were entering their kind of rat's nest stage. <laughs> I think this is I think this is actually the tour where Robert Smith started wearing lipstick. Hmm. Oh go. really? Yeah. This was yeah. the beginning of that. Yep. Oh wow. Yep. And unfortunately he still is. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah, so this kind of marked the the end of their goth records i would say right so they had three two records before this were also pretty dark and gloomy in in their uh sound um this record i think really just kind of knocked that sound out of the park really went for it it's pretty it's pretty dark before we play a cut here i'll just initially mention that when this record originally came out it was quite poorly received critically um rolling stone gave it a one and a half out of five star rating um, they have since re- kind of reviewed that and have now bumped it up to four out of five. So I think they're, at the time, this was kind of not so exciting for a lot of critics. Mm-hmm. We're kind of looking past this phase of uh, their sound. But uh, nowadays, I think generally it's regarded as influential in the genre. Well, let's play a cut, the opening cut, 100 Year. Like uh, opening your record with the lines doesn't really matter if we all die. Just start, start out high and go from there. <laughs> yeah, I caught that too. <laughs> I just wonder what it feels like uh, for bands like this that really lived in their youthful non-exuberance to continue to perform these songs and like, oh, right. is it still there or is it just acting? That's a good question. When I see The Cure, I, I feel like Robert Smith, he still seems to be kind of into whatever song he's singing. So it, I don't know if he's able to send himself back to, to that place he was w- when he wrote it, but it, it's always appeared sincere to me, which is, mm-hmm. which is why I, I like it. I don't think it's just, you know, goth theatrics, but then at the same time, they're not, um, like I don't think they're depressing fellas. Like in real life, I, I think that's just like one part of their you know personalities or something that they that they chose to communicate. Hmm. I don't really know much about it. So listening to a lot of these records has actually been kind of cool. It's one of those things that with technology now you're free to listen to whatever instead of having to go invest in something you don't even know anything about. Andy. Word. You brought this to the table. Why this one? Well, I mean, I was searching for the darkest, gothiest <laughs> of the goth. I, I'm a Cure fan. I'm more into their later records, a little bit more poppy and lighter. Um, so I did have to dig back through their catalog. And so it was this in between uh, Faith. So yeah, both those are really 
enjoyable and i think both high quality records this one i felt like was just a little bit more influential so that's why i picked it out it's got a few really strong cuts on it i think maybe there's some that are a little bit less strong but i think hanging garden and strange day and especially pornography the the title and closing cut are really freaking dark and and challenging (laughs) listens can be a little creepy gets into some pretty heavy um subject matters that's part of the problem is I, I think it's kind of hard to to pinpoint some of this stuff. It, I, I get the I get the feeling that a lot of the lyrics are kind of stream of consciousness, mm-hmm. you know. So I I'm not sure that any of them are about like one thing, but maybe just the general state of despair and <laughs> and pain and the malaise. Yes, although I would say. The difference between faith and pornography, and those are probably my two favorite albums from this period, pornography feels like there's maybe a little more anger in it, whereas I think faith is more melancholy or or sad. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Gotcha. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of aggression around either some sort of relationship or I feel like there's talk of like murder and sex. And maybe prostitution, but it might even be a metaphor. It's yeah, like you said, they're very obtuse lyrics. But I think the darkness comes through no matter how you interpret the actual uh, words that are being spoken or sung. Do, do you think that his look, his his uh, eye makeup and lipstick thing, Don? You said that he kind of debuted the lipstick on the tour for this album. The figurehead, the song there. There's those. There's references to a sculpture, right? And I wondered if maybe that, the stained face and stuff that's mentioned in the song, I thought maybe that had something to do with it. That's a good observation. I, I, I'll buy that. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to just be like, yes, that is true. In an art, in an interview in 1986, oh, no. Robert said, and I quote, and that's what I was expecting from you. I was going to say, there, I don't know if this is true or not, but I did read on genius.com. We'll reference them. That Robert at one point had referenced a actual figure that he had, a skull sculpture that he had found at when they were recording one of the music videos that he had kept for some reason and was thinking about that when he wrote the title for the song, at least. I don't know. Yeah. It sounds like something he would do, just have like a skull <laughs> laying around. Yes. Yeah. Edgar Allan Poe kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I, I wondered if it was... You know him. You know being the figurehead, or being held up as a as a figurehead. Because mm. I I think this is also a time period where he was kind of disenchanted with uh with the band or maybe with with music, uh, with the music industry. So uh, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, the the lyrics are are pretty uh, pretty open ended uh, on a lot of these. How many times, Don, would you say you've listened to this album? Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> I- I mean, I couldn't even get, I mean, it's definitely, I mean, it's got to be thousands. I mean, because I, oh my, gosh. I wow. my first version of this was a dub of somebody else's, uh, you know, somebody dubbed a cassette. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I started, that was probably when I was uh, 15, 14 or 15. And I mean, I, I still listen to this, you know, quite a bit today. I mean, at least uh, 10 times a year. Mm-hmm. Maybe more. So I don't know, maybe th- oh. a thousand is exaggerating, but uh, I, mean, uh, I don't know, man. It's been out for quite a few I've, years. So. I've yeah. topped a thousand on some yeah. albums, Beatles ones, probably. Yeah, I mean, I, that knowing you, you've always you're not a gothy 
dude, you weren't 20 years ago. Nope. <laughs> but that's I think part of why what is fascinating to me about this music is knowing someone like you that's a, a super fan of it and knows everything about it and it shapes your taste, but you're not walking around with the hair and makeup and never did. Nope, never. So I think that's really cool. I think that that people need to think about that because sometimes you don't get into something because you don't want to get into the scene that comes yep. along with it, but you don't have to. No, it's a good point, man. There's a lot of value just to be found here that's not tied to the goth culture in any way. Yeah. Yeah. I really like this. I, I'm I'm surprised at how interesting it it is. I mean, like probably my favorite song by them is Burn from the Crow soundtrack. And it actually that that sound when I heard that, I was like, man, I like that version of them, but that's not what they were making at the time. And it kind of sounded more like this. Yeah. Mm. Burn is definitely mm. a throwback to this period. But really like every album since I mean, all of their albums, or most of them, have been more um, eclectic, you know, so they'll have, you know, a few pop songs on there. And usually, I mean, every album has some version of this cure. I mean, there's some there's some really dark moments, you know, in the future moments of the, of the cure. They never devote an entire album to it anymore. I, I think after this album as well, Robert Smith tried to kind of disassociate himself with sort of the goth movement. I, I know he didn't want to be, he didn't like being called a, a goth artist. And so that's why, you know, right after pornography, he kind of goes off on his own. The The band essentially breaks up. Uh, and so the first Cure single after that is Let's Go to Bed. And then it's The Walk and then it's The Love Cat. So there's just this big pop <laughs> lash. So it's the anti-pornography. Right. Wow. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, the anti-pornography. I like that. Yeah, I I do wonder about the the name of the album and the name the name of the song. I like I was mm-hmm. never really sure why it's called pornography. I was going to ask Andy. Did you read anything? I, I did find people asking that question. He never gave a straight answer to it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think you could read into it, and maybe it's more um, just kind of like a judgment of some of the things that he talks about in the record. You know, just calling the world pornography record, you know, just kind of how things have been objectified, I guess, maybe mm-hmm. be my interpretation. Okay, here's a little cut of the closing track on the record, Pornography. The opening and closing are the strongest moments for me. So, 100 years brings a lot of energy, and pornography, <laughs> it's a pretty dark to close out there, though. Though I would mention, though, I think pornography, the closing cut there, I think uh, I think there's like a hint of light, perhaps, at the end of the record there, where he says something about, like, the thing with the last lines is, I must fight the sickness to find a cure. I was interested when the band mentions their their mm-hmm. own name in a song. I always kind of pay special attention to that. Um yeah, like the Counting Crows did that. They did, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Part of that makes me feel a little squeamish. He's like, okay, they must be really trying to say something here. But you don't um, forget it when you hear it. That's, that's, right. that's right. It's impactful. Yeah. Now, uh, that have anything to do with the drugs 
<laughs> I mean, not that not being on drugs, but wanting to fight the sickness of of potential addiction and stuff. Oh, I read that more as depression. But uh, what did you make of that, Don? I don't know. Yeah, or I could see. I mean, it it could be both. Um, also, maybe evil or you know just humans being humans. You know, destroying mm-hmm. a world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It could be about COVID too. I'm not sure. Maybe it's a, <laughs> it's a kind of a foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and since everything is now about COVID, I, I'm going to have to agree with you. <laughs> I, I've one other thing I'd I'd want to point out uh, about this album. Uh, it's really the second album where where Robert is using a a six string bass and he's using it as a as a lead instrument. Uh, but it's not like the six string bass that like Parliament Funkadelic w- w- was mm-hmm. using. It's a uh, it's more like a baritone guitar that's just tuned down uh, an octave, um, but you, you still finger it uh, in the in the same way as uh, as a regular guitar. Uh, but hmm. a lot of those parts, like on Siamese Twins, I think the figurehead as well. I, I think those are the, the lead guitar is actually a, a six string bass. See, this is why you're here, my friend, because <laughs> that's, that's, cool. inter- that's interesting stuff. Yeah, and actually, I mean, Disintegration, you know, if you see that as their, their biggest album, you know, songs like Pictures of You, the, the sound of that album essentially is, in addition to the synth, is that, that six-string bass, mm. you know, being the, the lead guitar. Mm. When I hear people, when, when people criticize um, this period of The Cure, I, sometimes the, they'll, uh, they'll go after the drums. They're really loud on this album, you know, they're really kind of gaudy. Body, but they're extremely simple. I mean, there's nothing. I, I don't think. I mean, not that I'm a drummer, or, you know, could do it. But I, I think it's a very basic drum pattern. I guess uh, the drummer of the band, uh, Lawrence Tallhurst, you know, was not known as like a, a skilled, you know, musician, and he comes out of the punk rock scene where it's not about being a, a good musician. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if if the drums are simple intentionally. Like if that's just something Robert didn't didn't care about, or if it's just the limitations of of a of a band member. That's cool. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it is pretty simple. I mentioned it. I like the drum sound. I think it's jostling, and that's part of what's yeah. supposed to. This album is supposed to shake you. It's supposed to grab mm-hmm. you by the shoulders and look at you in the face with its weird hair and lipstick and make you go. Yeah, I'm listening. So. <laughs> yeah, I think they achieved that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely gets your attention. <laughs> All right. So anything else we want to talk about with uh, this record? I've said enough. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. So that, once again, uh, Cure Pornography, if you haven't heard it all the way through, it is a compelling listen, to say the least. So it'll get you to that that goth place. Yeah. It's November-ish, October-ish. This is the time we should be listening to this this kind of dank music it's perfect yeah all right cool so tell us what you thought of these records choose an email podcast elders.com leave us a voicemail 585-210-2454 if you want to do this show a solid you can subscribe on apple Podcasts. we'd appreciate it or shoot us some cash at elders.com slash support oh yeah that sweet sweet skrill <laughs> make sure to follow us on instagram and twitter at album nerds and uh, we'll be back next time with more recommendations. And thank you so much, Don, for joining us. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you for having me. All right, talk to you all later. Peace. See you.